Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Portions of the Oilers Now podcast are brought to you by ProAmSports.ca. 6.30 Chad and the Edmonton Oilers Hockey Club present the show that is everything Oilers. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Managed print services to keep your printing costs down? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A on Oilers Radio. 6.30 Chad. 105 in Edmonton, hour number two. Oilers Now, the first star of the show. We heard from Craig Simpson, as well as uh, the newest member of the Edmonton Oilers, Miko Koskinen. Second hour, Bob Green. He's the Oilers Director of Player Personnel, as well as Steve Steos, who is the Hamilton Bulldogs President General Manager. They're playing for the OHL Championship uh, against a absolutely loaded Sault Ste. Marie team, but Hamilton's had a, a, a good year here. There's no question about that. Very quickly, I want to get to a text, uh, but not before I tell you that the second hour of Oilers now is brought to you by Digitex. 630Chad uses Digitex for their copiers and their printers. Their service is excellent. They now sell supplies for all brands of printers at uh, Big Savings Digitech Supplies.ca. Our text line is brought to you by Westlock Ford at 630-630. If you're looking for a new vehicle, go see Paul Olson at Westlock Ford. Check out their great selection today at westlockford.com. Worth the drive to get your new ride. All right, here's the text. Bob, backup goaltenders making around $2.5 million last season. Anders Nielsen, Chad Johnson, uh, Jonathan Bernier, Michael Neuvert, Eddie Lack, Michael Condon. I can see why PC went off the board with a higher risk reward. And for all the haters, under $7 million against the cap for your NHL goaltenders puts the Oilers in the bottom third of the league. Here's hoping Miko is the new Mika in the province of Alberta. Hmm. Interesting perspective. All right. Without further ado, pleased to be joined by Bob Green. He is the Director of Player Personnel for the Edmonton Oilers, heavily involved in the uh, scouting. Bob, how you doing? I'm doing good, Bob. How are you? Uh, good. Uh, we'll start with uh, the lottery. Where did you watch it? Um, <laughs> and how nervous were you watching that lottery? Or did <laughs> no, you... not, not overly. I, was, I watched it on Twitter because uh, the year we, we won with Connor, I, I watched it on Twitter. So <laughs> not that I'm superstitious <laughs> or anything, but that's what I did. Okay. Uh, <laughs> there was a 79% chance you were going to end up drafting ninth or 10th. So I, I guess it wasn't a surprise ultimately that you ended up drafting 10th. Uh, tell me this, uh, from your perspective, how deep is, is this year's draft? 
Well, from a standpoint of, of pick number 10, I, I think there's going to be a good player there. I, I don't know if it's a particularly deep draft overall, but, um, you know, at 10, we feel really comfortable with, uh, you know, with the forwards and the defensemen that we think are going to be available there. So, you know, we're happy with it, and that's the hand we've been dealt. And, you know, so we just have to be ready to make decisions. Um, did you sort of, a lot of people have bracketed up there, you know, there's Rasmus Dahlin, and then there's uh, the three forwards, and then there's a lot of different perceptions after you get past the top four. Is that a is that a fair assessment? Yeah, I think so. I think there's a group of defensemen there that are probably, you know, somewhere between 7 and 10, I guess. And then there's a group of forwards. And and uh, after that, and, and, you know, there's been some moments since the under-18s and, and uh, you know, some kids stepped up there and had great tournaments and, and, uh, and others didn't. So, you know, we're, we're, we're heading into our meetings here next week and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll take a look at all that. And of course, you, you know, you can't just base everything on the, on the final, you know, the final month of the season or a couple of weeks, like you got to base it, you know, your decisions in the seven months, even watching these guys. So, you know, it's important for us to, to take a look at the whole picture and, and, uh, and then make our decision from there. We're joined by Bob Green. So let's operate, Bob, under the premise that, you know, you know you're not going to get any of the top four guys. I, I've had people say to me that there, there's a top that there's a top nine. Uh, I don't know if I buy that. I think that if you went six through ten for 31 NHL teams, you might get as many as 31 different opinions in the, you know, from five to ten on. You might have 31 different teams uh, gauge and rate the players. You think there might be something to that? Yeah, I think there is. I think it's one of those years where, you know, there's, there's going to be a lot of different opinions. And not, you know, not only in the top ten, but right through the draft. And, um, you know, so I mean, that, it's good in a lot of ways because you're probably going to get players that maybe, have, you know, rated a little bit ahead of where you're picking. But, you know, like I said earlier, I think some kids have, have made some movement upwards in, in uh, you know, based on the last couple of weeks in the U18s and, you know, and there's other guys that haven't played for a while, and some of the late birthdays that haven't played for a while. Um, you know, they're out of sight, out of mind, and and they could drop a little bit. And, uh, you know, but every everybody does a good job, and everybody be looking at the entire year, so it'll be it'll be interesting to see how it goes. There are a couple forwards that uh, had terrific U18 uh, championships. I'm thinking of Oliver Wallstrom, who missed a, a chance to tie the game against Finland in the gold medal game. The puck was rolling at him with one second left. It came it came to him on the short side. And uh, and then the other guy was Jesperi uh, uh, Kotka-Niemi, who uh, Craig Button obviously fell in love with over the court. And that happens in that tournament, right? Like a, a couple years ago, uh, it was the first time I saw Yamamoto and that was uh, the year prior to him being drafted because he has a late birthday. And I was like, "Oh, this guy is a this guy is a competitive, skilled little player. He's a pretty exciting guy." But that can't happen in that event. Uh, and and Wallstrom and, and Kotkaniemi are probably guys. I, I think we're safe to say that we expect to to go in the top, say, uh, twelve of the draft. Yeah, I think that's fair. It's the last time you see these guys, so it's the last impression that you leave in your mind. So I mean, it's. it's you know, it's hard to disregard that. And uh, they both had excellent tournaments. I couldn't believe Walter missed that goal at the end of that game. That was unbelievable. But, uh, um, you know, both guys had great tournaments for sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, Sault Ste. Marie's still playing. They're going up against Steve Stales' team in Hamilton. 
and they've got a guy in, in Barrett Heighton who's a, a little bit, uh, you know, there might be. Is is it fair to say that Walster might have a higher offensive side than than Heighton, but Heighton might have a better all around game? Yeah, I, I think so. That's fair, you know. But the, at the same, you know, the same token, there at, at seventeen, I think their games are still going to evolve even more. I think one of the knocks on Walster maybe was a bit of <clears throat> the fact that the puck died on his stick periodically. He tried to make really tough plays and. And with a lot of skilled guys, I mean, they have the belief that they can do it, and they try, and they're not afraid to try them, you know, over and over and over again because they have confidence. And um, you know, so we'll see where that goes. And Barry Hayden is a, you know, he's a pretty simple guy. He's, there's a lot of craft to his game. He's got really good hockey sense and vision, and and um, you know, he, he's kind of comfortable playing the game many different ways. He, he's not afraid to go to the front of the net and score a greasy goal, but he can. You know, he can make tough plays with the puck, too, and, and he sees the ice very well. So they're both, you know, they're both excellent players. Wallstrom, of course, can really shoot the puck, and, and uh, you know, that's a, that's obviously a, an important part of the game in this in today's game. We're joined right now by Bob Green. He's the Oilers' uh, Director of uh, Player Personnel. Bob Stoffer with you. The Oilers drafting 10th for the upcoming NHL uh, entry draft, and uh, I, you know, it's interesting because Craig Button did a mock draft on, on TSN right after the picks were awarded, and the top four guys again we're, we're operating under the assumption that you know Rasmus Dahlin is going to go number one, Svechnikov, uh, Zadina, and Kachuk, uh, two, three, and four, and then we get to some defensemen that are right there. You know, Quinn Hughes uh, out of uh, Michigan, Evan Bouchard, who had a tremendous offensive campaign out of the London Knights, Noah Dobson. Uh, out of uh, Acne Bathurst. So Bouchard and Dobson, they've been done for a while. Does that uh, work against them or, uh, you know, maybe give us a better perspective on those defensemen? And I, I'm going to add Adam Boquist because uh, he had a, a pretty impressive uh, performance in the U18s as well. Yeah, I'm not sure if you meant if you meant use over because Dobson's still playing. Right. Yes, right. um, sorry. And Hughes is actually, I, I've been told, I was told yesterday, Hughes is, is playing for the U.S. of the world. So, so he is on that roster. Right. Yep, so he's going to get going again. But they're, you know, they're an inter- interesting group of guys because they're, they're all very good players, obviously, but, the, you know, their games are all a little bit different. You know, some guy, you know, Bouchard is the oldest of that group, and his game's probably further ahead than, than some of them. But, you know, there's... You know, there's the, the, the concern on him, I guess, would be a little bit of skating. But, it, you know, when you watch him, it really doesn't affect his game a whole lot, to be honest with you. And then he's a huge point producer. He's got a great shot. And, you know, Hughes is a tremendous skater, and his game revolves around that. And, and, and Dobson is just a, a pretty solid two-way guy with, you know, big right-hand shot that's got a lot. You know, he has, gives you the perception he's got a lot of upside. So... You know, any one of those guys would be fine for me. Okay, well, uh, so Hughes Hughes is a lefty, right? That's correct. Yeah. Okay, the other three, uh, Bouchard's a righty, Dobson's a righty? Yep. And what about uh, Bolquist? Is he a righty as well? Bolquist is a righty as well, yeah. All right, so does that factor in? I mean, the Oilers have um, gone two pretty good left-shot defensemen already. I mean, can you even think that way, knowing you don't know how much a, a team roster is going to change? But you've got Darnell Nurse and, and Oscar Clefbaum. I mean, those those two guys could be in the Oilers' top four for the next, you know, five to six years conceivably. I mean, it does a little bit. you got to be careful of that. You don't want to, 
take a lesser player just because he's you know could be the right shot over a left shot. Right. And also, to, to me, it, it's it would be more of a tiebreaker situation if you got two guys that are equal, and, and you're having a tough time making a decision between the two of them. Maybe if you would factor, you know, what Andy shoots, but. You know that's that's tough. It, to me, it's, it's similar to, to taking a forward versus a D. Like you don't want to give up on a on a better player. You not give up, but you don't want to take you know one player over another kid just purely based on position because you might be giving up on a better player. All right, Ty Smith is represented by Edmonton's Jerry Johansson. He is the top ranked WHL player in this year's draft. Bob, um, some people have said, "Hey, he's a bit like Chris Russell, left shot puck mover." Others have said to me, "No, he's." Uh, more like Thomas Hickey. Uh, now, neither of those guys put up the kind of numbers in at the next level in the NHL that they did in junior. Is there any concern with Smith's game that maybe he is uh, a guy that puts up better numbers in major junior than he would you know, at the next level? And again, all those other two guys are smaller. They could move it and they could also skate. Because watching Smith play during the U18, um, it seemed like he deferred a bit to Ryan Merkley, a right shot defenseman that he was paired with on D. Just like to get your thoughts on that. Yeah, I, I think for me, Ty Smith is just more comfortable playing the right side than he is in the left, and that's where he—that's <clears throat> where he played all year. Uh, he played with Seth Helgeson. Seth Helgeson was his left left D partner, and, and uh, you know, a good compliment to Ty. You know, kind of a play hard guy that moved the puck okay, but he relied on Ty a lot to get the puck out. But um, you know, the, the the comparison to Hickey and, and Russell. You know, I guess it's fair because all three of them are, are undersized guys, and in, in that they're you know under six feet. Um, the numbers that uh, Ty Smith put up, and, and you look at you know over the last five years, I think his numbers are the highest, and that's including Proveroff and guys like that. So his numbers are outstanding, and <clears throat> I don't think Chris was was anywhere near those numbers. Yeah. So you know, I you know it's it's. It's more to do with hockey sense, how he sees the game. Um, you know, one thing about Chris is he t- he took a lot of punishment. He, he he exposed himself to a lot of hits in junior. And, um, you know, Ty Smith has the ability to kind of get out of those situations. And, you know, because he sees he sees the game so well and his feet are very good and he's, he's, he's a hard guy to hit. And he's always moving his feet and, you know, his change of direction and those types of things are really good. So... I mean, they're all good players, so it's, you know, if Ty Smith ended up being somewhere where those guys are, those guys are in the middle of pretty good careers, I think he'd be happy with that. Uh, I'm going to ask you about one more player out of the Quebec League, Joe Valeno, because uh, you mentioned hockey sense, and when I watched him during the U18, I, I, his like to me, the give-and-go game wasn't there. Uh, this is a guy who went the exceptional player route in the Quebec League, got moved, uh, you know, had a decent campaign this year, 79 points. Am I am I on to something there in terms of you know because he can certainly skate. There's no question. In fact, if you watched him versus a guy like Kotkaniemi, Kotkaniemi uh, looks stronger, but he seemed to influence the game all the time when he was on the ice. And I'm not sure I'd say that about Valeno. Yeah, Joel, you know, Valeno is, is really responsible kid, and he, he really he's always on the right side of the puck, and his game is better. He, he's he makes more plays off the rush than he than he does, uh, you know. Like you talk about his lack of a give and go game, and I think he, he makes better plays off the rush uh, than he does in that situation. But I think that could develop and become part of his game. I think he's probably, 
you go back to a player, you know, players of that stature have always been better than everybody else at their age. And so they, they play the game more off the rush, you know what I mean? Like they just, because they've got the puck all the time and they can beat guys with speed, you know, that's where their offense comes from is off the rush and, and you know, beating the D1 or one of those types of things. And I still think that he's probably developing the other part of his game. And with his hockey sense, I think that'll come. Um, you know, he's going to learn when he gets to pro that, that he, you know, it's sometimes it's easier when you don't have the puck. Dish it off, get yourself open, get it back, those types of plays. And I th- still think his game's transitioning from one to the other. Bob Green joining us. Uh, he's the Oilers Director of Player Personnel. Bob, this text comes in. Boy, Epstein's mother's been busy today. Uh, it says, how much do uh, analytics play a factor? I mean, he's obviously you got to see him good, but do you guys... Not that you totally open up the kimono here, Bob, but, it, it, you know, in, in meaning from a business perspective, you wouldn't tell us all the secrets, but is that something that gets weighed in? And do you sit there and try to uh, rate leagues versus leagues and scoring percentages versus scoring percentages, European players versus North Americans based on the limited amount of uh, uh, data you'd probably be able to come up with? Yeah, we use all that stuff, to be honest with you. It's, it's good to have. It's, it's a good tool, and, and it's something that you have to use. And especially for myself, I'm always curious, especially when you're trying to gate scoring from one level to the next and, you know, trying to figure out if guys are, you know, guys that can score in major junior, can they score in, in pro? And, and, you know, so you got to look at their histories and, and, you know, their scoring histories and, and how well they've done and, and you know, all, all that stuff plays a factor. You know, we try to use every tool we possibly can in order to make these decisions, and certainly analytics plays a part in that. Uh, Winnipeg held on to a lot of picks. They finally moved one this year, and that's because, you know, they were going to be drafting 25th through 31st. Just to reiterate the point that you opened up with, you believe you're going to be able to get a pretty good player at 10. Absolutely, and I always think we're going to get a good player wherever we draft. So, <laughs> you know what I mean? And, yeah. and, uh You know, our, our job is we're going. You know, whether or not we're going to get a good player, our job is just to be prepared for every pick that we got and, and get the best player that we can. Bob, we appreciate the time. Thank you for joining us here in Oilers now. All right, thanks for having me, Bob. Take care. You bet. That is Bob Green. He's the Director of Player Personnel for the Oilers organization, heavily involved in the uh, amateur draft, along with uh, Keith Kretzky and all the uh, the scouts. Uh, Bob, of course, uh, built the uh, Edmonton Oil Kings up throughout the uh, er- early to mid-2000s, and they won uh, two WHL championships and a Memorial Cup in 2013-14, the year Bob left and joined uh, the Oilers organization. 122 in Edmonton. If you can't tell, I'm kind of leaning towards keeping the pick, just for the record. And I do think, it's interesting, Dave, because there's a group of, uh, geez, we talked about, well, we for sure talked about five different defensemen, right? We talked about Quinn Hughes, who's gonna, as Bob rightfully noted, he's going to play for the U.S. at the World Hockey Championships. He's out of Michigan. Uh, Evan Bouchard, highest scoring defenseman in the OHL since Ryan Ellis, six foot two, 195 pound right shot guy. Uh, Noah Dobson, who's still playing in Quebec League Championships as we speak. So that's three. Uh, we talked a bit about Ty Smith and then Adam Boquist. So five mm-hmm. defensemen there. F- uh, three of the five are right shot. Ty Smith and Quinn Hughes, both smaller guys, left shot. And then we uh, we talked about a bunch of forwards. Oliver Wallstrom, who I do not think will be a 10 when Edmonton drafts. I think someone's going to... The U.S. system, they've developed so many players right now. Uh, Jess Berry 
caught Kanayemi. I, I don't know that much about him. I liked what I saw during the U18s. He looked pretty good to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, Valeno, uh, I don't know if he's a 10. To me, he's sort of like a 12 through 15 in this year's draft. Uh, so we talked about eight, eight or nine different guys there in that range, and it's going to be interesting. Well, and Barrett Heighton. So there was another yeah. one. He's going to play for Sault Ste. Marie. They're going to be the favorites. And we might be seeing Barrett Heighton play during the Memorial Cup. I'm here to tell you, if Sault Ste. Marie wins the OHL, they'll be the favorite for the Memorial Cup. Mm-hmm. they got the deepest team. So, Well, considering all those names you mentioned, if, there, if there's going to be that much depth at that number 10 spot, I think you're smart to take the to take the pick and hang on to it. Yeah. So, I don't know. If someone offers you an out-of-this-world trade, which, let's face it, you hope it happens at the draft, but the expectations we gotta we gotta lower them for draft trades. They don't happen as you know as as frequent as you'd like it to happen in maybe. the NHL. In the NHL, that's right. In so the CFL, and we are going to talk about the CFL draft on tomorrow's show because yep. that is uh, right up your alley. It's the CFL draft tomorrow night. Uh, where do the Eskimos pick? Sixth overall. Okay. Yeah, eight picks in total. And in a league where you have to have how many Canadian starters? Seven. And you have to have 21 on your roster that can play. So, so my, in a league where you have protected spots for that country, yeah. you're only as, like in the CFL, you're only as good as your worst Canadian. You're right. Right? I, I mm-hmm. hate to put, like, if you're in, in like, as example, in the German league uh, for hockey, uh, you have 10 spots for import players. Mm-hmm. You're only as good as your worst German player in that league, right? <laughs> yeah. So the, 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 the organizations that spend the most on German development and German players, they tend to be the, the teams. That's how international hockey works at yeah. the club level. So, And we'll talk tomorrow about how unique the CFL draft is, and it's the most unpredictable of all drafts. And I'll just, I'll just give you a little teaser. The number one draft prospect doesn't always go number one overall. Right, and some of it has to do with the potential of playing in the National Football League. Yeah. What are the What are the other reasons why that happens? Well, you have players that are drafted into the NFL. You have players that sign undrafted free agent contracts. Those are the type of players you will see fall. They become future picks, unlike players who sign, you know, like Mark Corte did of the U of A Golden Bears. He signed two rookie minicamp tryouts with the Jets and the Giants. You can take more of a chance on him because likely he'll be a CFL player. Doesn't always work that way, but likely the, the risk is lower that uh, that player will be um, you know, not in the CFL. When's the last time the Eskimos drafted a guy in the first couple of rounds that never ended up playing for him because he went to the NFL and oh, stuck? Austin Pastor back in 2011. See what, what was he? What receiver? No, he's an offensive lineman. Oh, I'm thinking of Platzer. Was there a Platzer that was? Ah, uh, um, uh, anyways. No, I don't, I'm not sure who you're, who well, you're referring to. Who was the guy that had 15 catches in one game for the Eskimos back in the 50s? Was that Prather? Um, might have been. Yeah. Yeah. So, All right. Well, take- and and also Stephen Charles. Right in 2013, was he? He was out of Regina. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I think he's on his fourth or fifth NFL team, but uh, unlikely we'll ever see him up here as well. Okay, 126. We'll break for about a minute and a half. Come back in orders now. When you want to fly your Oilers colors with fan gear or outfit your fan cave, there's only one place. ProAmSports.ca Jerseys, apparel, headwear, and memorabilia from your favorite players and teams. Whether it's the NHL, the CFL, the NFL, MLB, or more, ProAm Sports are your fan cave specialists. And if it comes with a ProAm Sports Certificate of Authenticity and hologram, you know it's 100% authentic, hand-signed memorabilia. So no matter who you cheer for, ProAm Sports has got your guy. Visit their Edmonton showroom on St. Albert Trail. Fill your fan cave at proamsports.ca That's proamsports.ca 
This is Milan Lucic from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on 630 Ched. Oh, Milan Lucic. That's going to be an interesting uh, fall to watch to see uh, how his return uh, takes place. Do you want to mention some guests and orders now receive your certificates to Japanese Village, three locations, downtown Southside and Northside. It's 128 in uh, Edmonton. The Edmonton Oil Kings winning uh, the Business Award for the Western Hockey League. Congratulations to uh, Kevin Radomski and the staff of the Oil Kings. They did a great job with some real original concepts uh, to bring fans out to games this year. And a guy we've had on the show a lot, uh, Manny Vivrios, has been named the WHL Coach of the Year. I have a feeling this is going to be the last year that he's coaching in the Western Hockey League. Off to a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell back with former Oiler and current general manager and uh, president of the Hamilton Bulldogs in the American Hockey League. Steady Steve Stales on Oilers Now. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad.